Coming up on Tell the Odds, a certain fan cast for Grand Admiral Thrawn is really not into the idea. Freddie Prince Jr. reveals that Kanan almost died halfway through Rebels, and Kathleen Kennedy is staying firmly where she is at Lucasfilm. We're going to talk about that as well. What time is it, 3PO? It is time for Telling the Odds. been so much easier for us to do because COVID hasn't been a problem for mm. us for a while, at least where we are. Yes. But circumstances as far as what we do in our personal yeah, lives has always made it so that, yeah, I don't have time to make it all the way over to your house. But we, um, are, we are back in person now this week, so hopefully uh, we should be good. Like, I, I think we've enjoyed doing it online, but like when we do it in person, there's like a sense of since of like uh, being in the same room, like we can bounce off each other a lot easier. So hopefully, exactly. And better. there's not as much of a problem as far as lagging. Yeah, which exactly. has, which as the recorder of our audio <laughs> can get so annoying. Oh yeah, that would be uh, it was it was like I'm glad I'm glad that the episode uh, last week turned out editing wise as mm. good as it did because I thought it was going to be an absolute cluster f well, as far as putting it, it together. Very good. You did a great job. Uh, Thank so, you. Um, yes, we have a, a good amount of stuff to get into. Yeah, we actually have cool stuff to talk about this week. Um, yeah, spark uh, interesting discussions and topics. Yes, I uh, hope you guys are all, uh, have all had a good week and hope you all enjoyed uh, last week's episode. What's the date today? It's uh, Sunday the 14th, where we are. Um, almost, uh, almost halfway. This I know, time. where's the time going? But um, every day brings us closer to the Bad Batch, which is probably the yeah. closest um, Star Wars project like to us. May 4th? May 4th. May 4th. Or May 5th for us. Oh, oh. Actually, no. Sorry. May 5th. Uh, it will be it will be May fourth at like seven p.m. here. Wicked. Yeah, so we'll technically we will technically get it on May fourth. Um, maybe I'll just watch like Clone Wars season th- seven throughout the day and then watch Bad Batch. Like, I do wonder, will that be a season drop or will that be a weekly episode? I think it'll be a weekly episode thing. Yeah, because yeah. they've been doing that for Clone Wars and Mandalorian and all that. So. Yeah, they all, they also haven't talked about whether or not Bad Batch is going to be a limited series or whether or not or whether it's going to go on for a while. Yeah. But um. Uh, anyway, that's beside the point. Let's get into... This is not a Bad Batch episode. This is a discussion about various things in the Star Wars uh, world of behind-the-scenes more than in-universe. Yeah. Um, So our first story uh, for today has to do with uh, Thrawn, one of your favourite characters, Michael. and my favourite character of all Star Wars. Yeah, and uh, a certain actor of a quite high acclaim that people have always sort of fan-cast as Thrawn. Some some people some people exactly we're going to get into that soon like you know just the way his face looks and the way he sort of like commands a presence Uh, oh Benedict Cumberbatch yes again amazing actor some amazing performances but Thrawn (laughs) yeah I mean I can understand why people want him as Thrawn based on like the way he looks yeah but okay we'll look we'll we'll get the news is uh, we're saying it was an interview yes he was asked by um, an interviewer at Collider.com about whether or not he would have any interest in joining that world and being um being thrown. Hey, what mean, was his answer? Uh, he's he is a pretty straight up no. Yeah, that's a hard no. Yeah, hang on, we'll read the quote for you guys right now. So essentially, Cumberbatch had to say, uh, "That's a straight no for me right now. Uh, there's no way I want to be turned blue. I have precious time with my children, uh, with my children, and I think sitting in a makeup chair and being painted blue and the amount of time it would take to do that and then take it off at the end of the day might just—it's not the right time in my life for that." Oh, who doesn't want to be blue? Uh, but I completely understand what yeah. he's saying. He's Doctor Strange yeah, right now. He's way. filming. He's 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 filming Doctor Strange two, the, multi- the multiverse of madness, mm. uh, which I'm super excited for. By the way, now that one division is over, yeah, um, yeah, uh, I, I know. We, I know we talk about Star Wars here, but you know we're also massive fans of the MCU. Yeah. So um, 
and yeah, that's that's being filmed with Sam Raimi right now, which is really really cool. Um, but yeah, Cumberbatch is doing that, and he's got so much. He, he's such a, a an actor of such high claim, and everyone he's got wants some him to amazing performances with amazing characters. Exactly. So it would make sense that he doesn't want to yeah. devote his time to a project, or uh, sorry, and and yeah. like a a, a a thing like Star Wars. Definitely. So yeah, on the on the like his personal side of it, completely understand why he wouldn't want to do it. But I think personally, for me, I I, I think you probably agree. Jack, I do agree. Yeah. In terms of the char- of him personally playing the character, again, amazing actor, some amazing performances. Just I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch would Benedict Cumberbatch would work in that role. Like you're right. He's the type of person where, like, I would really like. I love seeing him in things, but he's got a very recognizable personality and like that's the thing about him. Yeah. That like it's not that they're that every character he plays is the same but that you can clearly tell it's a Benedict Cumberbatch performance. Whereas I would want someone who plays Thrawn to be able to recreate the personality and the whole feeling of of Thrawn that has been so well developed in Rebels and in books and other mediums and like properly bring that to screen. And I feel like you get a really good actor to do that, but I don't feel like Benedict Cumberbatch or what was the other one they were saying, uh, Robert Downey Jr. or... Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. Can like, you just, pick someone who's not a Sherlock? Just yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, just people like that. Like those are good, but just I don't think they're right for the role of Thrawn. Well, that's the thing. When you said that, you know, that we you need someone who could bring a, a new element to Thrawn and make him a really versatile character, even more so than he was yeah. in previous material. I absolutely think that Benedict Cumberbatch is capable of doing that because he's a he's an extraordinary Academy Award nominated actor. Yeah. Um, but I think that Benedict Cumberbatch. Because he's so recognisable as other things, yeah. as Doctor Strange, as Sherlock and stuff, I don't want him... I, I wouldn't really want him as Thrawn because I'd just be distracted by the fact that, yeah, that's that's Benedict Cumberbatch the mm, whole time. Definitely. It's kind of like you just brought him up, Robert Downey Jr. Like, there was talk that very quickly faded away yeah. that Jon Favreau wanted Robert Downey Jr. to be Thrawn, which is never, like, fully confirmed, but it was mm. a thing that was percolating on the internet for a while. Mm. Like, again, I wouldn't want that because Robert Downey Jr. is so Robert Downey Jr. that if he's you know, walking around, you know, having conversations with Ahsoka and Ezra in the Unknown Regions. Like, it's almost just like, why is Tony Stark blue and talking to Ahsoka? Like, like, I I guess there are actors, so it's not like 100% he's just going to play the character of Tony Stark. Like, he could probably do an amazing performance to, like... No, sorry, yeah, I need to clarify that. Yeah, because, like, you look at, like, some characters who are, like, super iconic, um, but then they just do completely dramatically different roles. I mean, this is kind of a stereotypical answer, but you look at Heath Ledger, like... Like him rom com movies or whatever he was doing a uh, a knight's tale. Ten things I hate about yeah. you. Like who's hey, this goofy guy? The knight's tale is a is I a see. is a is good fun. It's an underrated yeah. classic. But they get him like he's gonna play the Joker. There was massive fan outrage. You're like what this guy? Everyone he's hated gonna it. Play the fan favorite villain, the Joker. Comes out incredible performance. I completely forget it's Heath Ledger when watching it. You cannot recognize him in it unless you see him without being up and after the fact. And so I'm not saying you can't get an amazing actor to just completely do a performance which engrosses you in the character. I think you definitely could. Mm-hmm. I just think, especially if they were going to make the film and have that big name, I don't think they would. I think they yeah. probably would just want that character to do what they want. That's the thing, is that you can never really uh, properly judge a performance until you've seen it. Yeah. Like, I remember like so many people I know who were in absolute uproar about the fact that Robert Pattinson's going to be Batman. Oh, yeah. As soon as I heard it, I'm like, that is genius. I know, I'm looking forward to it. Because he, fl- he is an amazing actor. Because, un- unfortunately... I've seen all the Twilights. Unfo- well, that's... I mean, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> Unfo- <laughs> unfortunately, the only... Uh, for some people, the yeah. only thing they know Edward... Uh, uh, sorry, not Edward, uh, Robert Pattinson. Edward yeah, exactly. Robert Pattinson from is Twilight. And so, Robert, but yeah. yeah, immediately people think, oh no, I don't want Edward Cullen as my Batman. He's but a then distinguished I would, actor. 
Yeah, but then I watch. But then I ask you, uh, watch About Time. Watch The Lighthouse with Willem Dafoe. Mm. He is possibly one of the best actors that has been on screen in the past like two to three years in some mm. of the work he's done. Um, but anyway, getting back to Thrawn. Yeah. Um, I, I say again, Benedict Cumberbatch is absolutely capable of everything that you'd need to do to be Thrawn, but I think that he is so good at the roles he's already done that I would want to see someone completely different do something to yeah. Thrawn that we haven't said. Uh, well, I mean, look, that being said, yeah. I would love to see Lars Mikkelsen, who portrayed Thrawn mm. um, as the great, voice, yeah. as Thrawn, because I think we talked about this very... Like, we did talk about one of the past weeks. We talked so about it, I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before, um, about how Lars Mikkelsen played uh, a villain in Sherlock, speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, yeah, 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 he plays a villain in... Uh, he plays a villain in The Witcher, I think. He plays the... He plays the uh, sort of like the um, main antagonist of uh, BBC Sherlock's third season, a guy right. named Charles Magnuson. And he is so dominating. He, he just controls the room with how threatening he is every time he has a scene. And that energy is exactly what you need for Thrawn. So though he doesn't have the same face as Thrawn does, because Thrawn's face is a little bit more long and yeah. built out. You can like kind He's, of add makeup and stuff to get I, the effect. I think he'd still absolutely kill it. That's like the least important part of his character. I wouldn't I wouldn't care if like it looked a bit off if you got the like magnitude of the performance. Like you need the presence of Thrawn. No, sorry. <laughs> you need the presence of Thrawn. That's like the most important part. Like you could get someone to just do a, like a cosplay that looks exactly like he appears in Rebels. Exactly. Rebels. But like to get an a on on screen performance, that's what makes like a really good actor. I feel like. Yeah. Um. Well, that's it, it's sort of the thing is that you know it it sort of makes it easy for us to say that Lars Mikkelsen's a good choice. Hmm. But like I was just saying, like I don't just want him because he's already voiced him and for like continuity reasons. It's it's because of it the fact that it, yeah. the work that we've seen him in was really um, you know, impact his performance live action. Yeah. And I think he's a great choice. So that's um but but I also just like the the fact that um when answering this question, you know, Benedict didn't decide to just like give some reason why he doesn't Ooh, maybe, yeah. he didn't he didn't want to give like a really um uh, actory reason why what, see, what, um, I, I why he doesn't want to does not complement my uh, nature of exactly like he's all he's he's completely entitled to say something like yeah. that but I really just understand the fact that he said look I'm yeah. I'm already part of one of the major one of the most biggest franchises in the world and I've also got kids he's busy I'm yeah. I'm a busy man but I also want to be part of a family which is completely understandable like yeah. I, that's how I would approach it if I was someone in his position yeah. um so I am like I I am uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, that Benedict Cumberbatch doesn't have any interest in in being this role because I didn't have that much interest in seeing him in this role, which is absolutely no offense yeah. to him at all. I just um, I I don't want him to be thrown for the same reasons he doesn't want to be thrown. Yeah. yeah. Um, because he's already in so much other stuff that is huge and has already given him such a name for himself mm -hmm. that um, to be in something like this, I feel would be doing a, a honestly a disservice. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm very much looking forward to if. I, I, it's pretty much a win. Like, it's gonna happen. It's, they mentioned him in the Mandalorian, so I'm looking forward to Thrawn is when, coming. Is Thrawn's yeah. gonna be in the Ahsoka series? When we get our live action version of Thrawn, um, and I guess look, if we get a casting announcement or if we find out during the show, like I'll, we'll get what we get. Hopefully, it'll be great. But like, there's really only so much we can I guess about the performance beforehand based on what either the actor has done or what they look like or whatnot. So right, I, I'm look. I feel like I trust Disney. The Mandalorian has proven that they that the few characters yes. that they have brought into live action they're very I feel like they've been very successful and able to bring their animated or um, novel characters into that yes. uh, into the live action world while still staying true to their characters Ahsoka felt like a perfect transition of Ahsoka's like aging more wisdom in a side of the Jedi world yep. played by Rosario Dawson I feel like um, this wasn't the Mandalorian but also uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker 
as as his more uh, yeah his more gruff and and world weary, but also like uh, do does anything for the rebellion. Like uh, got the appearance, yeah, got the performance of uh, Sword 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 across very well, and even a very small example of a. Uh, of uh, who's the um the Boba Fett? What's his name? Not the fake Boba Fett. Oh, um, fake Boba. Fett. Oh, um, uh, Tim- Timothy Oliphant yeah, as Cobb Vance. Like, again, a character like who's only in a single novel, but like was still brought this character on screen at like a fun performance that made this character one of the most recognizable of the Mandalorian season two. I know. I think Trace is one of his favorite characters from the season. I, I know. Well, I, honestly, when you said who's fake Boba Fett, I'm like Daniel Logan. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's no. real Boba. Fett. No, he's great Boba Fett. Have uh, you seen his Instagram? All he posts yeah, about exactly. is Boba Fett. Um, no, but I, I, so I, yeah, I trust Disney hundred percent that they would be able to, like, unless they really screw it up. I feel like they that's do. actually something that I have full confidence with in Disney. You're right, Michael. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Is um, the guy, the person who does all the casting for Star Wars and you know um, Disney and stuff, has, does all the casting for the Marvel films as well and the Marvel series as we're getting them now. Uh, Sarah Haley Finn, mm-hmm. who does all the casting yep. for those films, she is very talented. That's good. Like she handpicked Rosario Dawson to be a, to be a soap and she has cut he she's basically um you know taking care of so like all the casting for all those yeah, projects great, for a yeah, while now great casting and it's well. all been really really well done so i think that you know i have full confidence that they'll pick someone good mm-hmm. um so yeah again yeah full confidence uh it's it would have been like i, I feel like i've come around a bit like benedict cumberbatch could probably have done an amazing performance however completely understanding why you wouldn't want to do it and happy to see whoever they do eventually pick yeah uh, okay, well, that is a good way to uh, put a button on that conversation. Sure. Uh, so I guess we could move on to our second one, which, exact, which again, isn't a big news story, but it was something that was discussed this week. Um, I don't remember who he was yep. saying it to, but Freddie Prince Jr., the voice of Kane and Jarrus, Caleb yes. Doom, however you'd like and to... And Fred in Scooby-Doo. Yes, Fred <laughs> in Scooby-Doo. Um, uh, yes, he talked about the fact that originally... Kanan was going to bite it at the end of season two in his yeah. um uh, instead of blinding him, Maul was going to kill him. Um, that I feel like there's two elements to that we can discuss. One is yeah. the element of like how the show would have gone without Kanan in season two or well, season three onward. And yeah. I think that's really interesting. But also just the element of if they killed off like a major character just like that, especially when season two when it really wasn't quite as dark as it did eventually get by the end. Yeah. Like just straight up like because yeah he eventually sacrificed spoilers for Rebels by the way. He yes, we're, sacri- we're gonna we're yeah. gonna spoil the shit out of Rebels. Yeah, he eventually sacrificed himself season four, but I yeah. feel like you know, like sacrificing yourself, there's kind of like a different vibe to it. But like straight up being murdered in like the season two finale, like they feel like that would be a whole different tone for Rebels that they wouldn't have, that didn't originally happen. Yeah, I feel like um, the finale of season two is really the stepping off point where they mm. were getting uh, where they were yeah. following in Clone Wars' gorgeous shoulders by yeah. um, by. Following in the shoulders. I was gonna say I meant footsteps. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> See, that's that's why we're live, so you can it's correct good. me then and there. It's good. Um, is that they go? Yeah, yeah. These first two seasons of kids. Now for third and fourth season, time for death. Lightsabers and Darth Maul and death. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. I definitely think that. I enjoy season one and two of Rebels. There are some good episodes, but season three onwards, it steps up a whole new level. I just, I mean, look, you know, tangent here. Yeah. But uh, some of my favorite things that I sometimes get recommended on YouTube is um, those videos that just says Clone Wars being a in quotes kid show for seven minutes straight, mm, and yeah. so and it just shows all the Death. beheadings and violence and, the stabbing and behind like the like in season like in season one when Asajj Ventress stabs Captain Argyas yeah, in exactly. the most gratuitous way possible. That's the and um, yeah. that part where one of the uh, clone troopers in Luminara's battalion. Go, like she's trying to 
that he's trying to like oh you know put all high alert and then Asajj Ventress just straight up beheads him oh definitely like it's pretty dark very early on as well maybe one of the still the most brutal part was when Savage Repress just like impales uh one of the Jedi's with with their spiky heads in. Oh yes, yeah. that um, uh, Adigalia. I think yeah, in at the, at the start of like, season five. Oh, brutal, very brutal. brutal. Especially because it's only for like a, a very small frame yeah. that you have to be really slow yeah, they don't, they don't to pause on. on it, but it's just you like, can actually see oh. the six um, indent wounds. Yeah. It uh, again, it's only the yeah. it's only for like a literal frame. Like you have to be, you have to go frame by frame to yeah. find it. But you can literally see the six places that just she got the stabbed idea in. Idea of it just being impaled by the spikes and just the way, oh. And the fact brutal. that that show was on Cartoon Network for yeah. a good six Ew. years, yeah. like yeah. Um, so yes, but uh, so I understand if it did go a bit darker, that'd be an interesting direction. But the idea of Kanan having like just be killed at the end of season two, what direction would that go? I don't know because Kanan in season in early season three is some of my favourite stuff yeah. in all of Clone Wars. In, 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 you know, has those long conversations with the Bendu. The Bendu, I yeah. am the one in the middle. Yeah, where he feels like he doesn't he doesn't really know who he is now that he's blind mm. um, until he's taught by the Bendu to control the Force even stronger than he could originally yeah. now that he doesn't have his sight. Um, and I feel like that if you had killed him in Season 2, that would have diminished any chance you had of evolving him as a character. Definitely. I think... Well, I, I do enjoy Kanan. He's probably one of my favourite characters in Rebels. But it's basically because I like the direction he went. Season 1 and 2 Kanan is kind of... Not juvenile, but he's, he's still young. He's inexperienced in the Force. And he's kind of... He's, he takes up a similar role that Ezra like fills and whatnot. Yeah. I really like the shift in Kanan in Season 3. Like He kind of gets a bit depressed in certain ways, but when they do eventually bring him back into the fold, it's more interesting and he gets to use his like Force in, in his blindness. But... I think yeah, Kanan's character becomes so much more interesting after after season two. You're right, and, and so I think if they had have killed him, it probably would have like I wouldn't have liked the character nearly as much, and he wouldn't have had nearly as much of an impact. Yeah, it would have just been like oh, okay, so he was just one of those other Jedi's that they added on after Order sixty six. It's like at the start of Rebels, I kind of was like oh, are they are they really meaning that more Jedi's have survived Order sixty six? Like, do they really need to do this story? By the end of it, I'm like, this is really interesting. I love the character of Caleb Dune, how he survived Order 66, only having been a padded one. Like, he's really the only padded one I think we know. He was probably the person who was yeah, the youngest. Exactly. Because he was probably, because, you know, you see him in the very uh, first episode of the last arc of Clone Wars. He's, mm. he's, he's a hologram next to Depa Palaba. Exactly. Um, and he's only a kid. He's like, I would put him at like 10, 11 years old. Exactly. I'm not sure. You keep talking. I'm going to uh, yes. see if Wikipedia I actually have, has his age. I have read the comic, which is um, follows the his. Uh, Order 66 moments and a couple of years after and as he befriends um, a separatist person or whatnot. so like mm -hmm. I, I do really like that story but yeah just the idea of a, a Padawan having to survive post Order 66 it's such an interesting um, story that we got to see um, like told through back story and through how he is now when he's older as a Jedi and that I think if we missed that or missed half of that time in Rebels that would have been a real missed opportunity so. yeah okay so he was 14 yeah he was 14 when um, Order 66 happened exactly. which means he was only he was um, he was Ahsoka's uh, Ahsoka was 14 at the start of the Clone Wars exactly so he was not that much younger yeah, than Ahsoka basically brand new Padawan yeah, well, I mean, that's also something that I, you know, something that occurs off screen that you sort of get to know is that the Kanan comic teaches you that Ahsoka and Kanan actually used to spar together in the in the Jedi Temple. So okay. that's that's why they sort of have a good rapport the minute they, um, ah, uh, the minute they sort of uh, find each other. Mm. I agree with you in saying that. Um, 
Kanan and the Rebels show in general mm. basically have a very similar description. Juvenile and sort of um, not really... Uh, not re- not really there yet as far as a fully developed piece of um, art, both yeah. Rebels and who Kanan is. Exactly. Um, because you're right, he has he's got the man bun, he's got the goatee, he's, he's he's got that weird armored arm with that weird symbol. He's got a very iffy design. And then because again, I was watching Rebels with fresh eyes because I, I I only actually watched Rebels for the first time about a year and a half ago. Yeah. And somehow I'd stayed away from all the stuff that actually happened in Rebels. Like I didn't have a good. Yeah. The only thing I really knew about Rebels is that Kanan dies at the end. Right. That was it. Right, so when I watched season two, he gets blinded, and then I came back in season three, and he's like this awesome meditative guy in, a, in the middle of a field. I'm like, oh, I don't know what's happening here, but I like it. Yeah, you I, know, I, like, think that I really like. Yeah, they, they went some interesting directions with Kanan season two, and so yeah, if they if they did decide to kill him off at the end, sorry, in season three they took interesting directions. If they decided to kill him in in season two, I feel like there'd been so many things, not aside from Kanan's arcs and how we thought of the character. Just in terms of the show itself, would have gone in some different directions. Like, for example, I feel like Ezra would have been a dramatically different person. Like, Ezra already had some issues with his um, teacher with Kanan. Yep. Like he had, he felt like he was distant, that he was kind of ignoring him because he was like, uh, where, where Kanan felt like he was depressed or issues like that. Exactly. But like, eventually, they came around and they were able to, you know, turn him away from Thrawn. Sorry, not Thrawn. Uh, Maul and other and things and. Really you know what? That's an, that's an interesting point. Is him a really interesting character in season three and four. I feel like if Kanan died in season two, uh, Ezra would have absolutely ended up as like a, a dark side user, yeah, or, as a, or, or as um, a, a Sith in in training, mm. um, or like a, a renegade Sith Lord as as Maul became. Because yeah. he, if he was under the tutelage of Maul, he would have become very similar to him as far as how he practices the yeah. dark side of the Force. Because you know. Even, even with Kanan alive mm. season 2 the gap between season 2 and season 3 has Ezra really embracing the darker yeah. elements of the force until Kanan brings him back you mm. know that so, was like a major point at the start of season 3 exactly so if Kanan wasn't there there's no one to stop Ezra from doing that yeah. and yeah I, I, I imagine that Ezra's um, fa- this is very much like a what if question yeah, what if is, Kanan, kind of what weird. if Kanan died uh, what would have happened to Ezra mm. um, but I also agree that if you had killed Okay, look, like, when they were making Rebels, right, Dave Filoni, however, you know, whoever was in, you know, the, the writer's room for yeah. Rebels, um, as soon as they brought Kanan on, they were thinking, okay, if we have the luxury of having this show for a couple seasons, we're going to eventually have to find a, a way to kill this guy. Mm. Because he's... because he Because he's, be he's such a prominent Jedi, yeah. and, a, and, a, and we're a guy who we're going to make quite powerful yeah. as, like, a, as a Jedi teacher. We have to, there, there's no proper explanation we can give as to, oh, yeah, where was he in the... In, in exactly. episodes four, you five, really and six, you really can't have a good, re- a, a, a poor reason as to why there aren't force users, force users showing up in the Rebel Alliance for four, five, and six. Because I, Ahsoka, you give the reason that she was off looking for um, Thrawn and Ezra. Yeah, Kanan, he's dead at that point. Ezra is missing inside there. So, like, those are reasons why. But if you just had a Jedi just be part of the Rebel Alliance and people just knew him, or he could just show up, or anything like that, yeah. It just wouldn't make any sense why one Luke wouldn't seek him out, or two they wouldn't he wouldn't have helped at any of the things in the movies. Three he would have like that they have a force user that like Vader wouldn't have hunted that like any. Well, that's number the of thing reasons. is that I've always my thoughts on look I love Rebels. Yeah. I, I really love a lot of the parts of Rebels. There are parts of it that I find iffy, but for the most part, I think it's a really well constructed really show. Good but I've always thought that Rebels struggles for me on the basis that. There's so much Jedi and Force and lightsaber-related stuff yeah. happening so close to A New Hope mm. that I feel like 
you know, when you watch um, A New Hope, if, uh, you know, if you watch uh, A New Hope without seeing Rebels, you know, the Jedi haven't been a thing for a long time. Yeah. But now that we have Rebels, essentially we know that there were people jumping around using lightsabers and using the Force, like, no more than a year beforehand. Yeah. Um, it works given that Kanan does die and Ezra mm. goes away. Like, they give a good explanation as to why those people aren't there. Mm. But I've always felt that it, not fully, but slightly diminishes the fact that Luke happens basically like a year after yeah. I, I um, can agree with you on, on one thing I think in terms of the idea of like Jedi still being like a thing that were like seen forever ago or that they were kind of unknown by the time of A New Hope um, but there was Jedis showing up in Rebels I yeah. think you can you can get away with that by saying Rebels does take place in a very specific small part of the galaxy for the majority of it in it like around Lothal and that sector they really don't go very far away from that that's true when they go to uh do they go to Kashyyyk? No, they go to um, Spice Mines of Kessel. Like, there's a couple of yeah, different Yeah, and Ezra there's... goes to Tatooine, and that's... Yeah, yeah. That for one bit. And that's it. The yeah. majority of it is around Lothal, or when they leave Lothal to different sectors, or a couple of different planets, but it's all generally in this They go one... to Mandalorian yeah. space and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, they... But that stuff isn't involved exactly. in, the new, in, in the original trilogy at all. Exactly, so. and so a lot of that you could just clear as the reason why Luke as what and not hasn't heard of the Jedi in forever is because he's on a backwater planet on Tatooine, He's ne- that one they wouldn't have seen Jedi's there re- commonly during the Republic era, let alone the uh, the era of the, that. And then same with Han Solo. Like, yeah, he goes around a bit, but similarly, he's not going to be going to like the places where the Jedi show up. So I think you could easily get away with that as to why the Force is like is still considered this unknown thing, despite there being Jedi running around. The thing I would agree with you on is the idea of Vader. Vader very clearly n- sees and fights Kanan, Ezra and Ahsoka knows all of them and back Ahsoka I guess it's like because he already knew about but like Kanan and Ezra are clearly new Jedis that he's fighting and, and learning about yeah. the force yet he gets such a fixation on Luke because Luke is this powerful force user and I would <laughs> say yes it's because it's his son and there's a reason to that but why doesn't he have such a major fixation on Ezra like they really drop off the, the Sith pursuing Ezra and Kanan in season 3 you're right, um, because the inquisitors, the inquisitors are a major part of seasons one and two, yeah. and then seasons three and four really go into different enemies like yeah. like Thrawn in, and Thrawn like deals Thrawn, with them. like um, uh, uh, Fen Rao and yeah. the Mandalorians and stuff like that, and the whole arc regarding Sabine and her family and stuff. Um, but I think you're right; is that it sort of diminishes that line where. A Gus Axon yes. as well, yeah. Because um, yeah, Fenrir joins the rebels. Yeah, where Tarkin sort of just goes, "The Jedi are extinct. You, my friend, are, are all that's left of their religion." Mm. Darth Vader would have just been like, "No, no, <laughs> I, Look, I, we I, both I fo- know that's not true. I fought three of them like a year ago. A year ago, um, exactly. Um, and it also makes me think of like I just have this like you know thing that I was thinking of last week is that you know that scene in uh, Return of the Jedi where Yoda's dying and he goes, mm-hmm. "The last of the Jedi will you be." Yeah. Except for Ahsoka yeah. and Ezra we, and and possibly Cal Kestis. We and, definitely and, know about Ahsoka. And oh, and oh, and there's a tiny little green baby that looks like me. He's probably still floating around. Um, yeah. You know what? We could probably win without you. You can go back to Tatooine. Yeah. <laughs> how, much, how much? How many did they know about? Because Yoda met or to- spoke to Ezra. Um, he knows. Uh, I'm not sure if he I don't think knows Ahsoka still yeah, alive. Only Ezra. Uh, Hera and Sabine probably would have known about it. Well, er, you remember in uh, very late season two when Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka go to that Lothal, Lothal temple, mm. and Ahsoka has a vision of Yoda, and they sort of smile at each other. Yeah. So I guess that would have given. I'm not sure if that actually means that she was communicating directly with Yoda, but I like to think that Yoda would have known that Ahsoka was still out there was at some Yoda point. Yoda in the War Between Worlds. 
You hear his voice, but you don't actually see him. Because, yeah, they, they see Ahsoka there. They speak to Palpatine. They speak they, to Palpatine. Hang on, Palpatine wouldn't... Okay, that's the thing. Like, the <laughs> Palpatine mod- knows as well. Prequels have an issue. The last scene of Rebels yeah. has that moment where... Um, where uh, uh, Ian McDermott literally comes back to voice uh, Palpatine in that last scene with him and Ezra where he shows him his parents. Mm. So he clearly knows that there are more Jedi than just Luke floating around. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so that's why I've always had a problem with Rebels. Not a major problem, but mm. it's always a thing that's been in the, that's always been in like the back of my brain when I watch yeah, those episodes. I think it's an issue with prequels and writing. It's when you have an original story that has definitive statements or, or ideas about the world which are set at the time it was made that you don't want to retcon because the original is so classic and it's what everyone holds to the state of Star Wars. Anytime you are a prequel, you really have to dance around what's been said or what's been shown in those movies. The original prequel trilogy does it in the sense where like they make it that like um, C-3PO shows up, but he was also doesn't recognise Lars or... Arthur they also D2 had his memory wiped. Yeah, exactly. R2-D2 shows up and Obi-Wan doesn't recognise him, although he totally does. And all these little things and... Yeah, well that's a funny thing, is that I've got a... Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this book's canon anymore, oh, yeah. but I, I've always... I've, ha- I've got this book at home called The Life and Legacy of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. And it has a lot of um, Obi-Wan's inner thoughts in those scenes. Right. right? And, right. Essen- and essentially um, what he's thinking when he's saying stuff like... Never seem to remember ever owning a droid. Mm. Very interesting. He's actually thinking, "Holy shit, R two. <laughs> um, like, okay, so don't sweat. Right, we we break or, the guy. or and that part where um he's about to leave and he's like, "But they'll soon be back and in greater numbers." And then Luke turns back and he goes, "Oh, three PO," and he walks off. You know what everyone's thinking at that time? He goes, three PO's here too." Like so, he he clearly remembers all of them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure R two remembers. Obi Wan, yeah. he just doesn't say anything, and yeah, exactly. doesn't. So, so in that case, but there's, like, there's little like errors or consistencies you can do, and the more connected to the original material it is, the more you're going to run into issues with that. And yeah. so, I like Rebels because we get to see this new side of the rebellion we didn't see. We get these new stories set in one of my favorite eras of the of Star Wars, which is just before the Empire, or during the early days of the Empire. But because it is tied to the Force, and we get a lot of characters that we've seen before show up. You, you run into issues like that where it doesn't quite line up or the way that people saw the original trilogy doesn't match necessarily with yeah. this. And so, yeah, I, un- I completely understand that criticism. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with the fact that there are Jedi in mm. Reb- like in that time period. Yeah. Like a, a strong criticism I always hear is like every time they bring in a new Jedi in that era, it diminishes Order 66. I don't think it does because... Yeah, re- it depends, on how, you, um, because depends on how significant they are in the universe. Look, in order six, uh, before Order 66, there were over 10,000 Jedi. Yeah. And... Uh, in 19 BBY when the Clone Wars ended all 10,000 of those Jedi died and right now you can probably uh, you know use two hands just two hands to name pick the people who survived there's Yoda Obi-Wan Ahsoka Kanan Ezra uh, Grogu Cal Kestis and Maybe a couple of others that I'm forgetting. Yeah, it depends if you count. Well, if you count like Maul in there, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, as far as as far as just the Jedi. Oh yeah, if you yeah. Count Jedi. Um, um, oh, uh, uh, tracking guy. Um, tracking guy. Oh, Quinlan Voss. Yeah, well, that's that, that's the thing is that there. There's, w- yeah, there's a number of them that are like, but exactly, it's under like 25. Like it's. It's less than... A 25 th- of 10,000 yeah. survive. Let's like, just, that's still a lot. Let's just say, like, 0%... No, let's just say 0.1% of all the Jedi survived. Yeah. That would still be 10 Jedi. Like, that's... Like, every... Out of a 1,000 Jedi, one manages to make it. <laughs> Maths. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, very... Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, in a sense where... 
you of course everyone that's on Coruscant that's like hi I'm a Jedi hello there clones I don't know where I'm going with this they're all <laughs> gonna be shot like it makes sense but like however many Jedi that are like out in the out of the rim or like weren't assigned to a clone at that time well that's or the thing like, got a force prediction those like, are the people who got the message from Obi Wan telling yeah. them to come back to the temple and when they did they were shot mm. so um, oh, yeah how early did Obi Wan get how many how many ones do he just too late to uh, to get there to stop the change the message I mean that's the thing is that. It didn't recalibrate itself for a while, as Yoda said. So, like he said, a long time it will take. You know, um, so he he said that you know, and that even then was maybe like a day or two after Order Sixty Six actually happened. Yeah. So it probably would. There probably was like a, a week's worth of time when Jedi was still coming back to the Jedi Temple and then got killed by clones. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, that's that's beside the point. Anyway, what we were originally talking about, Kanan dying at the end of season two. Wow, we really got a tangent there. Well, it creates such a sparking discussion. It does. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. To be honest, when I first watched Rebels, I thought that he did die. Right. Because because uh, Maul has that moment where he's just like doing nothing, and he goes, "Yeah, about that." And he just so quickly pounces on mm. and, on Kanan, and then there's like a two to three second gap of, of like you know screen time where it's not actually clear what happened. Mm. So when I watched it, I'm like, "Holy shit! Did he just kill Kanan?" Yeah. He, but he didn't. He just blinded him. But exactly. Um. I think. Yeah. And so in that sense, you you probably could like in terms of just that episode, easily change it to being written that like Kanan died in that episode, like. I don't think he majorly does anything for the rest of the episode because he's blind or like maybe he helps them with uh, Ezra and the Force in some way but you can It takes a master and an apprentice yeah. he, That's basically all that's basically Yeah, you all can like easily rewrite that to just um, have Kanan be like killed at that moment and have it onwards so I understand like yeah that could have been an interesting choice to do at that time in fact if they did like as we were discussing with the Marvel what-ifs if they were to do Star Wars what-ifs I wouldn't mind that as a what-if What scenario. if Kanan died at that two, time Yeah Because in terms of like, I'm surprised he didn't. Like, how many people have had a lightsaber strike to their face? And like, survived. Yeah, just blinding <laughs> them. Like, only if it, like, it just got his eyes. If it went slightly deeper and cut his brain, like, that dude is not making it out of that. I know, that's the thing. So, is that it's yeah. kind of like the, the debate as to, yeah, why wasn't Finn's spine just destroyed? <laughs> yeah, <how laughs> Finn's, no, that's besides the point. Um, yes. Yeah, so, Kylo was so precise. Mm. All he wanted to do was kind of cut his jacket yes uh, and make him a bit just dis, uh, out of it when he woke up yeah yeah. Um, I definitely but in terms of if they were to do um, some Star Wars what ifs uh, it might be a bit niche like if you were expecting them to do it they would mostly be about like the original trilogy or maybe prequel trilogy or, or sequel trilogy things mm -hmm. with maybe some Clone Wars things so like you wouldn't 100% expect them to do Rebels ones but if they were that wouldn't be one of the worst ones I feel like that'd be a yeah. really interesting direction of just like what if this universe happens? So maybe we might have to do a, a second lot of what ifs sometime because I think that was a fun episode, like yeah. some interesting aspects. I feel like if we actually devoted some time to it other than just doing it right before we started the yeah. show like we did last time, it would actually spark a pretty cool discussion. Yeah, definitely. And we've picked good ones. <laughs> um, I thought we had some good choices. We had some good choices and then there were some jerky ones that we did. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, didn't you say, what if Ben Quadraneris won the pod race? Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, <laughs> what if Anakin didn't win? But right. what if Ben Quadraneris did win? In terms of the Lego Star Wars, he would have just picked it out of his pocket and been like, well, I had it the whole time. Yeah. But, uh, um, okay, guys, well, that is that discussion. Yes. Uh, like I said, it just we, we went on some pretty cool tangents then, but I, I'm glad we did. Um, so let's get into our main discussion for a little bit now. And again, when we say main discussion, it's a bit of news that we're going to turn into a yeah. massive talk. Um, and it has all to do with the person who makes all of this, all of the stuff we're talking about possible. Big old uh, Lucasfilm. 
yeah, Miss Kathleen Kennedy, the president of Lucasfilm, uh, and she, basically in an interview with uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek, was asked in an interview this week about whether or not there were plans to replace Kathleen Kennedy with either John Favreau or Dave Filoni, which was a growing rumor and has yeah. been a growing rumor basically since the Mandalorian started. Yeah, it's, right. It's been a growing rumor since then, and it's been a, a small minority, small vocal minorities demand for well, like the past four years. Exactly. I mean, you could say that it's a rumor, but at the same time you can also just say that it was a rumour that was created purely because people wanted it's, to happen. It's basically been a thing that people have been saying like oh why don't they do this they should be doing this for like four years. So. Yeah well that's that, that's the thing is that we're going to show you that it wasn't a rumour it was just a thing that people wanted yeah. to happen so much that they convinced everyone into thinking they that it was a possible rumour. to headlines to be like maybe this is a thing. Yeah uh, so essentially Bob Chapek said I quote we've been absolutely thrilled that we can have the kind of talent like Kathy Kennedy to direct Lucasfilm we look forward to having Kathleen Kennedy running the Lucasfilm organization for many years to come. Yeah. Okay, let's let's she's not going anywhere. let's get into this. Yeah, she's not going anywhere. Um, look, when Kathleen Kennedy first came out, she was handpicked by George Lucas mm. to to take over. Yeah. And, uh, and she's been a fantastic producer of films like Jurassic Park, my favorite film, Back to the Future, mm. E.T. She's been a part of all, Indiana Jones. Yeah. She's been a part of all of those films. And exactly. as you can, and those films are, are movie magic and Some always of the best will be. The films ever made. All right. Um, I don't have a problem with her sticking around, mainly because I really feel like in the way that we're getting Star Wars now, it really feels like Kathleen Kennedy and everyone who is involved in the making of Star Wars media has really learnt from the mistakes that they made early on. Yeah. The fact that is that, that Star Wars was acquired by Disney and to, in 2012, and they wanted a trilogy. By, and Wait, it was born 2012. 2012. Yeah, because wow. um, yeah. it was it was purchased in 2012, and they said they wanted a movie by 2015. Mm. I'm like. It takes a long time to, to, to make a movie, and as soon as uh, so, I was thinking. I, I look back on that and thinking, you know, you you there's really no harm in waiting a little bit longer yeah. to make sure that you could get really good people involved, create a proper plan, and and deliver on a great new Star Wars project like what yeah. the sequel trilogy could have been. It was a business thing. They 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 just spent a big ton of money and they wanted to get as much of it back as they could. Exactly. As soon as they could. Um. And that happens. It, yeah. un, it, it completely, it's completely understandable with a massive conglomerate like Disney. I can understand people in the chair yeah. wanted things to happen very quickly. Um, I think here's the thing with with the exception of Solo. Yeah. I think financially that Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy was a huge success for Lucasfilm and for Disney. That's she, a, that's, a, that's the led, reason. Yeah, that's the reason Lucasfilm, she's not going anywhere. They're not going to get rid of a president who, in the led, last five years, like five films that each made like a billion dollars. Exactly. Have have, have 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 uh, rolled in like. Five to seven billion dollars for an in, oh, for, for an industry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, like, huge success on the financial side. Yes, has been much more mixed on the critical side. With the, I think that being a general improvement, while including extra Lucasfilm uh, things aside from just the movies. With it be the the um, more recent video games, but also specifically Mandalorian and such television shows like Clone Wars season seven. And so, in that sense, I think in a critical side, a lot of people are generally quite hopeful of the direction that Star was going. But also on the financial side, it's Disney Star Wars is still mega, mega massive. Like in terms of yes, the movies kind of petered down towards the end. But in terms of Mandalorian, the amount of weekly like hype and and uh, buzz there was about each Mandalorian episode, specifically the season two finale, was massive. It's still huge name in terms of the general world of of entertainment. And so. Uh, especially the way that Disney Plus has just recently hit like a hundred million weekly monthly uh, yeah. subscribers or whatever. So it's like it's 
it's doing they're doing well financially in terms of Kathleen Kennedy leading, leading them in that direction so 100% understand why they wouldn't want Reed Hush to be like well you were actually a failure let's get rid of you but even besides that fact in what universe where you haven't fired them would you currently like badmouth a current employee of yours who's leading like Lucasfilm I know on like an interview like even if they were like had bad blood or anything like that they were never gonna like badmouth or say yeah you know what we considered firing her but we just haven't had enough like cause to do it yet or exactly like what what yeah. you know what public what public image does that give Disney like mm. even if there are plans to fire her which I really don't think there I don't are, think so either yeah. there's there's absolutely no chance there is they wouldn't say it if there if there was because that would that would set the internet on fire um, yeah it would set the wrong part of the internet on fire yeah that's you know you're, you're absolutely right there um, but when you watch Rise of Skywalker and then you watch The Mandalorian which came out so quickly uh, so uh, you know. Close, close to one another yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I really feel it did. there was airing when the Ma- Rise of Skywalker came out during the airing of uh, Mandalorian it did yeah um, you can very clearly see a stepping off point as to how they get as to how they get their projects made because yeah. I stand by the fact that Lucasfilm really did the fans a disservice in how they approached Rise of Skywalker yeah um, but then when you watch the Mandalorian like they clearly after Rise of Skywalker was wrapped and it was filmed and it was ready to put out in cinemas I really feel like Disney executives really had a moment of epiphany when they just like when they were just like you know what that's not how you make a movie I feel like and that's... it was more of a give the fans what they want but in the correct way yes it was Rise of Skywalker was uh oh um, the last films we've made we wanted to take them in a direction it's been mixed some people have liked it some people haven't let's just give them everything they want to have or they've enjoyed in the past let's give them all the things they liked about the original trilogy put Palpatine in there put in a massive like basically just do it again or like but also just with like very little forethought and like a lot of that could have been like J.J. Abrams like a script of it but like how much of how much like not manipulation how much uh, pressure was there behind the scenes to make an, uh, a one that would be less uh, controversial, I feel like. And then it just backfired completely. Nearly universally, everyone thinks it's the worst, unless you really hate The Last Jedi, thinks it's the worst Disney Star Wars film. And so in that sense, I think that wasn't the correct give the fans what they want. The Mandalorian, on the ha- other hand, I feel is the correct give the fans what they want. It's, Absolutely. It is. It's fans want a new Star Wars story that's its own thing, but it, it feels still like the Star Wars universe, but brings back beloved characters like true true to who they are not like oh Palpatine's back because he's the villain everyone wants so bring <sighs> him back again it's bring Boba Fett back because Boba Fett's a fan favourite character who we've hardly seen any of but we want to see him in the new way we can played by the original char- uh, actor everyone loved well the original character from the pre- actor from the prequels but yeah, you know yeah. you know what I mean um, in a in a live action performance, in a character, in a, in a story that fits with him, the Mandalorian fits so much more with Boba Fett than uh, Palpatine ever did in the Rise of Skywalker. Like the direction, it's just it's a change of like a, of instead of just give them fans what they want because they want it, it's get someone who wants to who creates a story that the fans will enjoy. Yeah. And so in that sense, it was um, uh, the Mandalorian with uh, with uh, Dave. Fer- Dave Filoni and Dave John Filoni Favreau. and John Favreau, yeah. yeah, and now continuing with other stories with the new directors. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I would be lying if I didn't think that Dave Filoni and John Favreau were good choices to be a president of Disney and yeah. to be the controlling voices in Star Wars. But it doesn't mean that Kathleen Kennedy isn't a good choice. Like you know, I think that as far as um, 
like the Kevin Feige of Star Wars. Like, mm. you know, the Kevin Feige kind of person, you know, the president of Marvel, is someone who is so incredibly good at hiring good people, yeah. but is also able to tell you the first appearance of Agatha Harkness in whatever issue Fantastic Four, yeah. 1963 comic book there. He has an encyclopedic knowledge, but is also really good at hiring people and actually being a good businessman, mm. right? I think that people like John Favreau, Dave Filoni, they can absolutely be that for Star Wars. Yeah. It doesn't mean that Kathleen Kennedy can't, though. Yeah. I, I, I definitely get the feeling that she She's better at being a um, businesswoman who's hiring good people yeah. than she is at having a vast knowledge of Star Wars itself. One thing I would um, say... Because, you know, when, when you watch the behind the scenes and you hear uh, John Favreau and Dave Filoni joking about McClunky and spinning, yeah. and spinning being a good trick, mm. like, there's a part of me that absolutely wants that to be the controlling voice of, 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 of Lucasfilm. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the fact that Kathleen Kennedy is and will be that mm. for the foreseeable future. Because she's very good at hiring good yeah. people to do the job they need to do. And I think that maybe she learnt that after The Rise of Skywalker, is that there's um, her job should entail getting people to create these stories, to have a massive passion for it, like John Favreau and Filoni, but also people like Rick Famuyiwa and Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, mm. Robert Rodriguez, who blew that episode out of the park. Yeah. Um, you know, getting people like that on board and getting them to do the, 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 to do the job that they should, yeah. while she sort of... It's. I think that's a very good job description for what people like Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige should be doing. Get people involved that will do a good job, but don't go out of your way to meddle and think it should be done this way. No, because that's when you're going to do both your filmmakers yeah. and your fans a disservice. I think the worst two examples of that were actually the most recent two films with Solo and um, Rise of Skywalker, and there's definitely learned from that. And I think in the direction we're going... I haven't. I, I have a thought. It's like, yeah, I agree. I think I would again if they were to replace, which not happening. Dave Filoni. There's no Favreau, way it's happening. Great example. Great choices that would happen. I think the direction they are going is good. However, if they were in charge, I don't think it would be very different to the direction it's currently going. I think. I think it'd be exactly the same. Yeah, I think the way that Kathleen Kennedy is currently leading Lucasfilm, where it's the direction of of these shows that are being led by these people who have visions and have loves of Star Wars that they want to put that passion into the projects they're making. I don't think it would be a majorly different direction. It would just be overviewed by a different person. And in that sense, I don't feel like you would need to get rid of Kathleen Kennedy to get the versions of Star Wars we love because we're currently getting that, and she's still in charge. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that I think that Rise of Skywalker and you know so, like you know Solo was a financial failure and um and I still think it's a film made by a committee but yeah yeah and and I think that Rise of Skywalker is a film made by by a committee as well mm. I think that's one of the direct things we said in our retrospective review of Rise of Skywalker yeah um is that I really feel like it was a movie that was made to appease the people who the hated like, the Last yeah, Jedi yeah. and um I think that like. <laughs> I think that, like I said, once Rise of Skywalker was finished, they had a really little time to, like, you know, look back and thought, you know what, that's not how you make a movie, yeah. and that's not how we should be approaching It'd a massive IP yeah. like Star Wars, because, you know, with so many people who are in love and, you know, treat this franchise like a freaking religion, mm. yeah. um, you can't afford to be uh, having such uh, yeah, like bomb, um, bomb, like you, you can't afford to be having such discord behind the scenes yeah. there needs to be a, um, uh, a feeling of unity mm. and a feeling of passion passion is the most important thing passion is, uh, passion is the most important thing I feel like thing. Mandalorian brought back the passion like it is like you know like you just said it is that Mandalorian full out showed that you can you can create a story that is original yeah. heartfelt moving 
and clearly passionate mm. while also while also including amazing things like having Wilro Hood's yeah. canister exactly. be like a major prop in the first season mm, exactly. like you look, look I don't think like you know just speaking candidly I don't think Kathleen Kennedy would know who the hell Wilro Hood was no, but John she need to because she exactly, has people she who are doing it who do that's what I, that's exactly what I'm saying is that she's not the person who needs to know that mm. the people who need to know that is the people that she needs to employ yeah and I the think that it, working on the product exactly I, I'm thinking and I think that after the Mandalorian and after all these shows that we're going to be getting she has gotten to that point where she's figured out what her role is yeah. as the president of this company so yeah I yeah. would be really curious to see what how we see the next Star Wars theatrical film because yeah Mandalorian's been great I think the direction is going to really good and in terms of its general uh, ecosystem in the media landscape of Disney Plus I think it's been really interesting to see but yeah, I wonder how would the next Star Wars film be that another anthology or a spin-off or what? Well, the next movie is going to be Rogue Squadron, but directed by Patty Jenkins. Right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what? How? How is that going to go in the grand scheme of the way that Star Wars is going? Like, will it be this new direction that we're seeing? Will it be just in terms of them trying to make another feel, a film that appeals to the mass audience while being just very made in the community? Like, I, 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 I'm hopeful. Uh, I think it depends, like, yeah, how invested Patty Jenkins is as an artistic vision and how much Lucasfilm does or does not meddle, but I think I'm generally hopeful in the direction it's going, even with, as said, people who did have issues with Kathleen Kennedy. I think, I think a lot of the issues that I did have with um, sequel trilogy, some of them could be stemmed to Kathleen Kennedy, but certainly I feel like not every single one, and certainly not wholly blamed on her like a lot of people yeah. tend to claim. Um, and so in that sense, yeah, I feel like I am hopeful in the direction of Lucasfilm. And I feel like, yeah, in that sense, Kathleen Kennedy is doing currently a good job. And I feel I see a potential future for her to continue doing a good job. Yeah. I remember when we first did that, that we did an episode uh, towards the end of last year when Kathleen Kennedy did a massive spiel on the future of Star Wars. Yeah. And she was talking about the fact, this is a, th there was a certain part of it that um, really uh, disillusioned me for a while mm. in regards to her leadership of um, of the of Lucasfilm when she talked about the fact that there was a lack of source material. Yeah. When, which, which is obviously flat out false. But at the same time, I do think that, like, I mean, like I said, I stand by the fact that she is a very talented woman mm. and the fact that she is good at hiring people to do the job she needs to do. Um, and I think that as long as she can be employing people who are passionate and who know how to make good movies and she can understand, not, it's not and it's also not just her, Disney executives in general, as long yep. as they learn their place <laughs> and, yeah. and, and know that they, um, that their job is to hire people to do the work that needs to be done. I think... And make sure they're doing it correctly. But, so, and, yeah. um, because someone like Patty Jenkins is mm. clearly very talented with Wonder Woman and other films that she's done. Mm. And the fact that... I remember, you know, that she's already done a video introducing the idea of Rogue Squadron. The mm. fact that she was talking about the fact that her father was a fighter pilot and that's given her the inspiration to write this movie. Exactly. I think that things like that is going to make Rogue Squadron a really good movie if they approach the making of Rogue Squadron yeah. like they've done for The Mandalorian and like they're seemingly doing for shows like Ahsoka and The Book of Boba <laughs> and Fett. And Andor. And Andor, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget about yeah. Andor like everyone does. I think the most important thing for me is that Star Wars moving onward and in what we see is viewed as and like artistic products instead of commercial products. It's like as, as the vision That's of well creatives instead of the um, methods of which to just gain big bank accounts like I feel like originally it was seen as. And 
You know what? I'm hopeful that we're currently seeing that direction. Me too. As well as making the big bucks because gee whiz, you know Disney's making huge money right now. Oh, absolutely. They've got they've got so many shows coming. Yeah. And Disney Plus just hugely successful. When you see that sizzle, like it's it's no wonder that Disney Plus like doesn't cost you anything yeah. because, like you said, there are over, there there are like ten million people doing it. If if yeah. you and it's a it's a ten and it's a ten dollar a month subscription. Yeah. Exactly. Like. The the money that they're getting just from Disney Plus subscriptions is like the profit for a big movie. Yeah, well, it's like if it's a hundred million, and your average average is about like ten dollars um, a month. That's a that's a billion a month. That is a lot of money. <laughs> um, exactly. Can you imagine yep. that? Can you imagine sure that? Uh, um, yeah. So I think financially they're doing fine as long as they keep this artistic vision. Like I don't think you can you don't have to sacrifice your artistic vision to have successful business. I just think when you sacrifice your um, artistic vision to have successful business it both leads to worse products which generally leads to worse business as well so yeah not that we know how to run a billion dollar company <laughs> exactly um, well yeah guys I think those are our final thoughts saying yeah. that uh, Kathleen Kennedy is not going anywhere first of all I'm not surprised mm. and I am I'm not I, I, I'm not you know unhappy with that no. because um, because like I said just like we haven't had anything concrete that proves it, mm-hmm. but the proof is in the pudding. And and uh, the, show, the shows like Mandalorian and how the Mandalorian has turned out is 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 proof enough to me that the Disney executives have realised that wow, the things that we were doing as far as making Rise of Skywalker is not our job. Mm-hmm. Our job is to hire talented people yeah. to do the jobs that they should be doing and making yeah. things like putting, like making an amazing, amazing pudding, <laughs> like making an amazing story that yeah. also can allow people like Ahsoka and mm-hmm. Bo-Katan and Boba Fett and Cobb Vanth to show up while also pr- creating a really concise piece of passionate art um, yeah. uh, that is separate from like you, what you called it, commercial uh, you know, commercial art. Like, um, if we find out, like in a week or a month's time, whatever, <laughs> Kathleen, say, Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy fired for bad direction of Lucasfilm, then like, yeah, sure, to, to bring it on us. And in that, in that, in that case, we'll be like, what the hell? Hey, happened? we'll be talking about it if yeah, it happens. We'll be bringing up like what, trying to dissect just what happened behind the scenes. But I don't think that the direction is going, and it clearly seems like it's not. I think that Kathleen Kennedy uh, is has got has got job security for the rest of her life. Yeah. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy, not going anywhere. <laughs> exactly, uh, as the thumbnail yes, says. Exactly. Uh, and that's our show, guys. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's the end of that discussion. I think it's a good discussion. I uh, believe so. Yeah, I feel like we. I, I really enjoyed the fact that we can find these um, news ideas that may be smaller, maybe an interesting aspect, but really bring about a nuanced discussion that delves into the ways in which fans really enjoy Star Wars and the different elements of it that we can we can enjoy talking about. So hopefully yeah. you enjoyed it nearly as much as we I did. mean, like, when we have main topics like Ryan Johnson's trilogy is still happening, yeah. you, you, you know, w- there, there's that. That's but, probably our record, I feel but, like, but, least amount of news, largest amount of conversation. Well, is it? Because, like, you know, with, with things like that, I think about the fact that, you know, Ryan Johnson's trilogy is still happening. Great, but when you actually get into that, mm-hmm. you can actually have a really proper discussion about... Um, what that meant as far as how the Disney executives yeah. um, viewed the perception of Last Jedi. I would assume so. Yeah. Like that, you know, they they saw it as okay, that movie didn't turn out well, but it doesn't mean that this guy isn't talented. Mm. Um, but that's beside the point. Uh, but that's basically saying that uh, here at Telling the Odds, we pride ourselves in our ability to take the smallest piece of news and turn it into a half-hour discussion that we that we make you sit down and listen to. Sith Lords, our speciality. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is our that is <laughs> our. 
Tangents are our speciality. Tangents are our speciality, that's right. Uh, but that's our show, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Um, yes. We had some pretty cool topics that we enjoyed talking about this week, and hopefully we'll have the same thing uh, next week next as we draw yes. closer and closer to essentially what will be a, a weekly review of every Bad Batch episode. We, we will eventually get to that and do a weekly review, but I think for now we'll, start, we'll have to start a countdown and be like, build up to the next Star Wars material coming out that we'll be addressing. Exactly, uh, because um, Star Wars content gives us job security. <laughs> job security, for that fun little hobby we do. Podcast security. Yes, exactly. If if Star Wars was like, well, we're cancelled, it's been fun, but sorry, we're, we just have no interest in making any Star Wars from now on, would we even still do the podcast? What the hell would we do? Would we be like, I, you know, I feel like we would still be like, screw it, we're just still doing the podcast, we're just talking about everything that's Star Wars for the past 40 years. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to us. Mm. The d- the time codes for our three discussions this week will be available in the description below. Mm. Uh, we're available on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow us there for yeah. our weekly updates of the episodes that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty, pretty much, much it. We'll be back next week for yes. some cool discussion whatever comes our way we'll be here to talk to you about and uh, I mean we talk, we talk about it every week we're hoping to get some um, some, some guests lined up some cool yes. people that we hope to talk uh, to scheduling and issues around our personal lives conflict but otherwise moving forward look forward to some potential guests so that's true yep. and uh, I think that's it guys yeah. uh, anything else to say Michael? Uh, no, I've uh, really enjoyed the discussion this week, and it's always good to come back for uh, another weekly episode of uh, Telling the Odds with uh, one of the best pals in the world, so I do enjoy it. Oh, that. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know where <laughs> to go from there. there. Yeah, I like you too, I Michael. We could say, uh, I like you too. You're, best, you're my best friend. Uh, you're my best friend, Michael. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys. Anyway. Um, yeah. Um, you. Have, have a nice week. This has been Telling the Odds. No, I'm joking. Um, Yeah, uh, thank you guys very much for listening. Uh, This has been Telling the Odds.